from an employer, how can you use AI to be an even more efficient employee if we hire you? And job interviewees need to have that answer. Show us your AI portfolio. Yep. That's scary. Yeah. I wouldn't have like that I right said, now. <laughs> yes. If it's raining, you bring an umbrella. <laughs> if it's AI, you have an AI yeah. answer. Well, okay. So to prove my credentials, I tried to get the podcast questions made in ChatGPT, but it failed on me. Oh, so no. I let them know. You didn't oh, do a good no. job. Yeah, don't worry. Robots can't replace me yet. Mm. But soon. Everybody and welcome back to The Human Element, Kara's podcast focused on finding ways to inject humanity and insight into modern marketing. Today, Michael Liu, SVP Head of Innovation, and I have a very special edition of the pod. Thanks for having me. We're excited. We are currently live at our Kara New York City office, hosting our very first Kara Innovation Summit series on the future with AI. And we'll be joined by some extremely knowledgeable and inspiring partners and clients who will be popping into our podcast studio with us throughout the day to highlight the power, responsibility, and opportunities that artificial intelligence has on the advertising and media industry. Mike, you've, this is your brainchild. So we are here today. Is there anything you want to say? Shout out to our partners. Give us a little, you know, insight into how you got here. Yeah. First and foremost, I do want to say thank you to our partners. There's so many to name, so we'll make sure we have them in the show notes. Also to the team, Ben, Amy, yourself, Chelsea, Nick. I mean, the core team who made this happen. So honestly, this would have not have happened without y'all. So, you know, super excited for this. I think this is a topic that a lot of our clients have been asking us about for the past year now. And being able to have so many intelligent people in one room for the day opportunities like this to get everybody in the office to experiment with each other, to learn with one another. And I think there's the three ground rules that we laid out at the front of it, which is have a learning mentality, an experimental mentality, and a human mentality. And as you approach AI with all these types of filters in mind, I think that's just like a great way to frame the whole day of making sure that we are you know, thinking through of what are the implications for not only our brand and my job and our business, but society and culture at large for how we bring more value to our consumers and how do we bring more value to just society in general, right? And I think that AI is something that has a lot of potential for, you know, disruption in every single industry. I don't think any industry is safe from it. And we've seen it from music to art, to data, to voice and podcasts and acting and anything like that. So, you know, this is a full day that's just dedicated to exploring what these implications of AI could be for us and how do we as brands leverage it to better connect our consumers. I couldn't say it better myself. So with that, we'll kick off this pod. All right, strap in. So my name is Dave Sergan. I work at Meta. My title is agency lead for emerging platforms. I sit within Meta Business Group, so I am focused on building the future of marketing with our products and with our favorite agencies, our whole ecosystem of agencies. Awesome. Can you just tell us, what was your first job in the industry? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, in the industry, I worked at House of Blues Orlando. It's a concert venue. Yeah. And so I was, it was the early days of digital, and so I was helping them understand this thing called MySpace. So I was helping them understand why music bloggers would be important to invite to shows. So that's awesome. Things have evolved. Yeah. Uh, the OG. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And MySpace. Yeah. RIP to MySpace, uh, which mine's still floating somewhere out there yeah, in the universe yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> what are you most excited about in the advancements of AI in our industry? 
Oh, yeah. The democratization of creativity and allowing people to get their thoughts out. It's going to be really exciting. As we think about creators or people or marketers, there's just going to be a whole new wave of creativity that I'm so excited for. And what do you consider is the biggest challenge with AI in our industry? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it is managing where we are with the hype cycle versus Mm -hmm. where the product realities are. We get really excited about things, and then we need to just understand how are these things made, where are they going, and how is it useful for me now, and then how will it be useful for me in the future? I think we sometimes we have these massive waves of interest, and then it's like, the world needs to change, and it's been six months, and I don't feel like the whole world has changed, and I think we just need to make sure that we're understanding how these things are being built so that our expectations are all in the right place. And how do you do that with your team? So like, how do you manage the hype cycle versus reality for some of these emerging technologies? Yeah, so I mean, I work with the whole agency ecosystem. So it is trying to just share, hey, here's how some of our product teams work. Here's the things that they've been invested in for a decade. And here's some things and here's the results of that. And then here's how we should be thinking about it as we think about new things like generative AI, like AI that creates content of some form and understanding like we're still really early in this journey and there's going to be so many interesting things coming, but we still feel like we're in day one, even though we're talking about this so much. And what do you think the impact of AI is on the future of work? I think that we're going to be able to have different ways of producing content that's going to get really exciting. There's going to be really repetitive tasks that we will be able to automate so that we can shift our energy to things that are most impactful. And then I think we're probably going to have new ways of just bringing ideas to life. So I think the whole creative production from beginning to end, there's going to be really interesting areas to experiment with. I love that. What advice do you have for brands who are just beginning to test the possibilities of AI? I think it's just about making sure that you are going for effectiveness or you actually have a clear idea of what you want to achieve. Doing things for novelty is going to not lead to the best results. So understanding what is your strategy? How does this fit into all of the things that we're doing? It shouldn't necessarily be this AI strategy off to the side. It should probably be like, how are we integrating this into the way that we think about integrated marketing? How are we integrating this into the ways that we work together? I think if you have clear strategies and you're not just chasing headlines and novelty, you're going to end up with much better learnings. Yeah, and definitely long-term impact. So I love that. Last question. Why do you love this business? Oh my God. I mean, we get to build things that are essentially a part of culture. Like we get to impact uh, lives. We get to impact economic opportunities. And there's just so many creative territories to explore. So I really love my career. I love that I get to work with interesting folks at places like Kara every day. And so it's just so rewarding. Perfect plug. Perfect plug. You get that? (laughs) My name is Caroline. I am the managing director of the global AI business at Google Cloud how I got to this role. I did grow up in Malaysia. And my father was in the ad space, as well as my mother, as well as my aunt. My aunt was a media buyer. My mother was in outdoor advertising. And then my father retired from the ad space doing a lot of brand activation. I joined Google two and a half years ago to run the AI practice. And I was working with and very closely with engineering on the cloud side, as well as our cross product area, we call them PAs at Google, our cross PA teams on AI solutions we had in other businesses and how we brought that into cloud for enterprises. Mm. Effective basically two weeks ago, I've now moved into an engineering role where we focus on creating that feedback loop with enterprise customers and how they're thinking about AI and how to help them set an AI strategy. So it's the technology, it's just the tools. It's how do we enable, you know, humans to do things they couldn't do before. 
expertise. Well, that's a perfect segue into the next question. How would you define AI? I say that AI is a way to experience complex computational issues, things like machine learning, deep learning. You don't have to be a data scientist to experience AI. You should be able to do that in your day-to-day life. You know, for example, being able to speak to your phone to get it to do something. In a way, it's a form of AI, right? Talking to something and getting a response. And so to me, it's about the experience. I'm an engineer, but I'm also very creative. The things I am not good at are, for example, drawing. I can't draw the way a creative person can, right? I have storyboards in my head, but it's really difficult for me to try to sketch it out for someone. Now, with this, especially all the generative tools, I can do a text prompt and then I can use text prompts to manipulate, say, an image to show exactly what I was thinking about. And for people who have access to this technology, I think it's allowing people to explore areas of themselves and of their minds that they didn't think were possible. You can speak and have deeper integrations with teams using AI to allow further conversation and collaboration. If you can't speak to creative teams because you, you know, couldn't sketch something out, you now leverage AI to be able to talk and communicate even further. We have been trained to use different systems because of the limitations of those systems. With a, with a whole thing with generative and conversational like questions, etc., it's changing the way we ask questions. It's changing the way we can collaborate. It's changing the way we can get better information for ourselves, for our teams, for our clients, and for their customers, ultimately. And so I think this is going to change the future of work, not just because of the technology, but also because of the boundaries are now able to be moved and shifted. So if the future decision makers are already using these technologies just for fun today, they're going to expect these sort of tools when they come into the workforce. It's just really fascinating to see the space change so quickly. Absolutely. Everyone used to be really afraid of the AI things that we had because I don't think they understood the reasons why we were building it. And it was always to make things better and easier for people from all walks of life to be able to use these tools to communicate, you know, because one of our core AI principles is to also eliminate bias. And so we want to make these things, you know, as accessible as possible. We're thinking about it from how are people actually using it? Now, at this point, especially with AI and generative AI and all these YouTube shorts, TikToks, all, all these things, it's a glimpse into so many different parts of the world and how this can impact and help. I'm a middle-of-the-road AI person. I'm not just a complete AI optimist. I do believe that there needs to be safeguards, boundaries, and controls to protect people. But I think that the opportunities are endless as long as we can remove the barrier of entry to this technology and get it into more people's hands so that everyone has a way to create. Everyone has a way to show what's in them and bring everyone else along that journey. And I just think that's really cool and that's really beautiful. That is an amazing answer. Okay, so name David Armano, Senior Marketing Director at Soul Machines, which is a AI autonomous avatar technology company. I'm going to show my age here, but I started my career in Manhattan and my first job was as a graphic designer. And it was at the time, it was at one of these big, older original tech revolutions when 
graphic design was shifting from like literally physically cutting and pasting to computer graphics slash desktop publishing. So doing everything, you know, with computers. So I feel like that's been a common theme in my career is always sort of evolving along with the technology. We've seen technologies generate a lot of hype over the past. What about AI is different to you? Before AI became a 24-hour news cycle that it is now, to me, it did feel like one of these big internet revolutions. And what got my attention initially, but it's obviously not limited to this, was I worked on the web and saw the web go from, okay, you're creating web pages that are not indexed, and then Google indexed the web, right? And then you had the search engine interface, and then the web became social, and it became mobile. Those were all really big books. I just spoke, like, went through that like it was like nothing, right? <laughs> it was impressive. That was 20 You've years. You've done this before. We're right. That was 20 years worth of big movements. And then seeing that one of the use cases for AI was that it, it actually is going to change how we search, right? You actually, search becomes a conversation mm-hmm. versus traditionally inputting into the field, that's a major change because search is a big part of interface in the web. And that's not even getting into all the potential applications of generative AI. That's one part of it. So add all that up, it feels like a very big iteration of the web, probably as big as us shifting into mobile from desktop. I've been a strategist in many jobs. And one of the things that a strategist does is we look for patterns. You know, we consume a lot of data and we look for patterns and we synthesize the data and then we sort of interpret meaning out of it. AI can do a lot of those different things. It is essentially a way to basically synthesize a lot of data. And in the case of generative AI, which is in the name, generate output based on those patterns And Microsoft really kind of hit it on the head and describing AI as a co-pilot, I think is really exciting. I think it's not AI separate from human ingenuity and imagination. It's the co-pilot working together that I'm really excited about. As someone that has worked in creative, worked in strategy, there are times where you just, you're looking at that blank screen or, you know, in the old days, a blank piece of paper, and you just need certain things to, to trigger your imagination, to trigger your thought process. And I think AI is really great for that. I actually think that it's going to be a great thought partner. It's going to be a, um, something that inspires creativity when people really kind of figure it out. And it's absolutely going to be, I mean, this is the obvious, but it will create efficiencies for sure. You know, one of the challenges with the internet is just the amount of noise. Mm-hmm. There's too much content. There's too much mediocre content. When not used appropriately, like if you're really just if you're just leaning into the efficiency, you can get halfway decent output just leaning on AI, right? Without actually using that partnership, and there's always going to be the temptation to just continue, like just basically use it as a volume play. So the negative side is it could continue to, you know, for lack of a better word, pollute mm. the our digital spaces with just a lot of mediocre stuff. Think about your email experience, mm-hmm. right? and how little signal there is in that noise. And that was before AI. Slightly terrifying, but yes, you're right. (laughs) Uh, So that said, what advice would you give brands today if they're starting to test AI into their, their strategies? It's going to be a journey to understand the platforms and evolve with them. Like using my example of getting into digital desktop publishing, that's what we had to do. These were tools. I think, too, there's a reality of 
everything that can be automated will be automated in some way. But I, I think there's actually good automation and bad automation. Mm-hmm. This is the area that we're actually trying to contribute in by having these avatars that can be expressive and have personality. We, we have a perspective on these automated experiences that feel more human-like and can feel more personalized. It's that balancing act between efficiency, automation, but also impacting the end customer experience in a positive way. Mm. And I think it's going to take time to figure out what that right balance is. Yeah, I love that. Consumer-led is what we're hearing as a, yeah, a stitched theme throughout today, and I love that. So. Absolutely. Um, you referenced this a little bit in the beginning. How do you imagine AI impacting the future of work? It is going to streamline things. I do think... We're naive if we think that jobs aren't going to great jobs will go away, but also new jobs will be created. We need to look at the mechanized blue-collar world, which automation and robots and things along those lines, have they're no stranger to that. And now we need to look at the white-collar world when it comes to a lot of these generative AI experiences because the white-collar world has not had that type of disruption that you've seen in things in fields like manufacturing, things along those lines. Yeah. Where... Using that example where it could come together and really benefit society, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's now an AI technology that that works with a tractor and essentially it knows what weeds to look for. It uses image AI, enabled image recognition, and it zaps all the weeds. So it's not using any chemicals, right? Oh. So this is where... I need the one of those. Is, right? This is where <laughs> that's amazing, right? So, so yeah, those yeah. innovations will happen, but we also have to be open eyed about the disruption and the impact on work. I think I appreciate the truth in that some jobs will go away, but more will be created. And what that means. And I think the interesting thing, though, is what is the future of education Mm -hmm. and how does this shift? And that's something that I think is bigger and broader than just this industry standalone. But I love that perspective. And I think. Well, I'm going to go back to your first question. So, when I, this is going to date me, but, you know, so be it. When I entered the workforce, my my first job in in New York. Someone mentioned MySpace on here. So, I'm I'm going, I'm going to go way beyond (laughs) MySpace. I love that. You use that. I love that that was your, um, when I started in the workforce. In New York City, coming out of design school, there were people who didn't make the transition in using computers and graphic design. And mm-hmm. I had that training. So theoretically, there was we had one person who was literally had a desk that was cutting and pasting things. And that person, yes, that person didn't want to learn the new technology and was no longer working because that's not how we did things. Mm-hmm. But I entered the workforce immediately with the skills of using computers in the service of graphic design. So that was a new job that was created to do something that was done differently. Right. I love ancient, that outlook. Ancient example. And here I am. I'm still walking Hey, look earth. at that. And now you're managing AI. So <laughs> look it, look it. Um, but there is something to be said about the agility and, you know, how you approach things to evolve. And I think that's something that is required in today's, you know, day it's and a, age. It's a, absolutely a life skill and a work skill and, you know, all the above. Agreed. My last question for you. Why do you love this business? I find these big shifts to be exciting. In my career, there's a theme here in this interview, I've always been in the middle of these big pushes. So literally, I was early days web design before the web was organized, right, Mm -hmm. through search engines. And then that happened. Then e-commerce. That was a big part of my career as a creative director and thinking about the user experience for customers. But e-commerce was really just getting started And I actually enjoyed, like, each one of those things. I enjoyed the beginning, but I also enjoyed the middle and the end, right, executing. and But the beginning of those revolutions always sort of got me really excited about a space. 
because you always had the chance to help sort of define it and build it. I'm Rob Wilk. I am the president of the Americas for Snapchat. My first job was an assistant media planner at Young and Rubicam, 285 Madison Ave. This was pre-internet, so I was buying magazines and newspapers, and my client was DuPont Lycra. Amazing. That's the best <laughs> answer I've gotten all day. Thank you. Thank you for that. How would you define AI? Models that continuously learn to make our lives more interesting, more creative, and better. I remember, I'm sure you do too, the first time I saw ChatGPT in action, and I was like, oh my God. And it feels very akin to the first time I saw Google. I remember it very well. It was actually at that job at Young and Rubicam where someone said, have you heard about this thing called Google? And I was like, this thing can find anything. This is incredible. It feels very similar to that. For me, what I get really inspired by is the fact that in advertising, whether you're on the buy side, the sell side, we all have tasks that we are, let's just say, too smart and overqualified to be doing. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are into 2023 and we're still doing them. I have a very open mind, an optimistic view of the future of tech, the future of AI, and it is to take away a lot of those things so we are freed up to do what we what brings us joy, which is the work, you know, the actual work, solving client problems, dissecting information. And if you look at AI has already crept its way into so many aspects of what we do in advertising from copywriting mm -hmm. to creative creative, period, all the way through to all the decks we put together, all the Word docs we send, all the spreadsheets we work on. To me, I don't want to sit down and try to figure out what the right formula is to make my Excel doc work. I just want to be able to say, I'm trying to figure out X, and it just happens. To me, that's magic in the same way that, you know, 25 years ago, search engines were magic. And what advice do you have for brands who are just beginning to test out the possibilities of AI? We have seen a whole bunch of brands lean in quickly. Mm. So if you think about Snap, between our background in, in augmented reality, but also AI that drives a lot of our augmented reality, we have lenses that are AI-driven and built. The advertisers who lean in there have two advantages. One, they really connect with a much younger audience, which is really hard to do. But two, their learning curve is they're ahead of the game. Mm. So like to me, any client today whatever today's date is, that hasn't at least taken a shot at trying some of these new things is already behind. I know that's scary because ChatGPT was not a word you even heard of six months ago. Mm -hmm. But this stuff's moving quickly. And I think the ones that are fearless are going to be the ones that get the most benefit. Why do you love this business? Oh, my God. To say that I love it is an understatement. I find so much joy every day. And part of it is... You know, the obvious human part, the people who tend to um, want to be in advertising, again, I don't care if it's publisher side, if it's agency side. I just love the people. I love the community. The second thing is that I love what it does for our economy in the sense that advertising fuels so many other things, whether it's employment rate, whether it's helping small businesses become big businesses, giving people jobs, giving them health care. I always try to look at the bigger picture here in the sense of we are a critical part of what makes the world turn. Mm. The last thing I'll say is just to bring it all back to AI is that, you know, Snap has a young audience. We know this. And through those conversations, we're able to really understand truly what's on the mind 
of a younger consumer, which changes a lot. Mm-hmm. And again, it's very difficult to get. And I just think that's fascinating. My name is Stas Toshinsky. I'm CEO and one of the co-founders at Instrumatic. Thanks for joining us, Stas. I like asking one question. What was your first job in the industry? Yeah, I was a project manager at a, um, at a startup which was building a social network for students. Obviously, it failed. Otherwise, you would have known <laughs> the name of the startup. Okay, fair. What are you most excited about for the advancements in AI in our industry? I'm excited that AI can increase productivity. I think it's essentially everyone's productivity. And what that means is people will spend less time doing boring, repetitive tasks and they can do more fun stuff. And at the end of the day, they'll be able to deliver more results. What that means is that companies win, the society wins, because then all of a sudden, like, for example, we have 330 million people in the U.S. If if all of them produce 20% more, then all of us uh, will feel much better economically speaking. I think the biggest challenge is figuring out a way to actually start using it. Some AI technology isn't ready for prime time. It's cool just, you know, to show it to your friend once everybody claps their hands and then forgets about it. And so the challenge is how do you find a solution and that can incorporate AI? It doesn't have to be AI based, but can incorporate AI that would be ready for prime time for mainstream. Mainstream is most important. You you really don't want to think a lot about innovators because they always on to the next mm-hmm. excited stuff. You want to think about, let's call the mainstream plus conservatives, so like 80 plus percent of the population. Like how can you make AI applicable to what they do so that they can use it every day and not get disappointed? So our offering is brands can use our platform to generate an unlimited number of audio tracks for audio advertising and video advertising so that in five minutes they have let's say a thousand creatives campaign ready, meaning they click a button and they can start serving those ads. When we talk to brands, it's really funny. When we started the meeting with a meeting with any brands and um, at the beginning, they really, their first idea is like, oh, it's going to be some chat GPT something. I probably have seen this already. Mm -hmm. Then we do the demo, which is like a remarkable human-like voice quality and then a thousand creatives ready to go. And all of a sudden, they see their day-to-day work being done in five minutes versus six to 10 weeks. Mm. And then you just, you can clearly hear this loud, very loud pause, you know? Mm. Everybody's silent, but you know that they're getting emotional because now they see like, oh my God, that means so much for us because we can save a lot of money, a lot of time and focus on what we like to do, which is creative work, which is, you know, still business transactions, but no boring stuff. Well, mm-hmm. at least less boring stuff. Why do you love this business? I like to live in the world that just becomes better every day. And the thing about advertising, just to be real here, mm-hmm. people don't like ads. And if we can make ads more relevant, less intrusive, less annoying, less repetitive, like, for example, AI can completely address the creative fatigue where you hear the same ad again, again, and again for like three months. Mm-hmm. What if it's the same brand, maybe the same offer, but not the same ad, not the same voice? What if it's, you know, what if it's a connected story? 
so we can make it better. Uh, so that's my selfish reason. Like if I'm a, as an ad consumer can get just m- get, get more entertained during ad breaks is a huge win. And then the second reason is I really like making other people's lives better. And now I'm referring just to their jobs, mm. but still that's where we spend most amount of our time, right? Yeah. At work. Emma Vaughn, Global Head of Advertising, Business Development, and Partnerships at Spotify. What I'm really excited about is I think that there is going to be an ability to marry the human and editorial and creative skill sets and talent out there with the scalability and the technology that AI provides to create really bespoke and personalized offerings for consumers in a way that they haven't experienced before. And I think that one of the things that I am most excited about is that what Spotify has built upon is this amazing combination of machine learning and editorial, where we have the algorithm and then we've got experts when it comes to the content and the editorial creating a personal experience for you as a user. So of our 500 million plus monthly active listeners, everybody is, has a different experience. And we're doing that in podcasts as well. And so what I'm really excited about is what does that look like with AI? And we haven't figured it out yet. But with AI, it's still going to be a combination with our editorial experts and with our partners. And then with the AI technology, does it create an even better experience for the consumer, whether that's consuming the content, whether that's listening to an ad, et cetera? Is it even more personalized? Does it grab their attention even more? That's what I'm most excited about. And how do you think AI is going to impact the future of work? It's such a big question. And it's one that I know there's so many sides on. And I agree with the fear and I agree with the excitement Mm -hmm. in that I think if not done in a strategic and cautious way, we can make blanket assumptions on what is redundant without actually looking at how it works on a day-to-day basis. That said... I also think there's an opportunity for individuals to be able to focus a lot more on innovation and a lot more on thinking and learning and coming up with big ideas because some of the tasks that were taking up a lot of their time maybe can be automated. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the positive camp where I think when it comes to jobs, it's going to end up being accretive. It's going to be a long road like all big disruptions like this, but I think if done in the right way, it's actually going to create more opportunities for people to kind of like define what their work and jobs look like. In our industry, change is just inevitable. But how do you and your team guide through what is reality versus what is hype? We think about it all the time. Um, And it comes from the top too. And we're lucky to have a leader like Daniel, who is constantly thinking about these things and very thoughtful, is not going to just jump on with a statement of this is how we're approaching it. It's like these things are evolving. Let's take the time, first of all, to think about it and to look at all of the avenues, et cetera. One of the main things that I tell my team, and I have a global team across the world, is one, use the tools. Just start, just use them, not for work necessarily, just become familiar so that it's not scary. And like one of the things is the more you don't experience it at all Mm. or test with it, then the scarier it is and the more you're going to hype it to be something that it's not. 
Why do you love this business? I'm going to start with the audio. I'm very, very bullish and excited about the future of audio, both from a consumer POV and from an advertising POV. I think that the tech within advertising is getting better and better. We are behind when it comes to video and the other formats, and we are catching up. And I think that attribution and transparency and all of the things that are really important are going to become stronger and stronger. So that makes me really excited. You mirror that with the fact that audio consumption is reaching whole new levels mm. and we haven't captured enough of that actual revenue market, but it's also the way that people consume audio is changing so much. It's much more active than it was in the past with voice technology, with focuses on the home. There's way more surfaces for people to tap into. Advertising is one of the most intellectually invigorating spaces you can be in because it is changing so fast. There is so much technology involved. It also has that human to human element. So you get to combine it with like the intellectual rigor of constantly needing to learn new things, new technology, like new ways to attribute, et cetera. The creativity of like packages and how you put things together and go to market strategies and the actual creatives, et cetera, with the fact that you get to be around a lot of people and create these great relationships. So that combination for me is the sweet spot. Brian Kaminsky, I'm the chief data officer for iHeartMedia. Brian, what was your first job in the industry? Wow, we're growing deep. My first job in the industry, I was a sales assistant at Blair Television. And I had two sales reps who were just delightful Willie Loman old men and a list of 30 some odd stations at really small markets around the country. One of them was a robot station in Twin Falls, Idaho. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. I'm yeah. glad I asked. This yeah. is a good way to so start. Was, I was a sales assistant, media planner. I love that. Yeah. How would you define AI? AI is probably a combination of predictive models and machine learning. Anybody who's like talking about sentience and, you know, actual artificial free-thinking intelligence, I think, has drifted off into science fiction, which is why, I mean, I'm not saying that's not possible, but I'm not particularly worried about it. I don't think that's what the industry is doing. I think we're using predictive models, large sets of data that are really interesting, and machine learning to train up in, in how those things become useful to the end user. It's an amazing productivity tool, like a stunning productivity tool. I think it's going to take a, it's going to force us to learn a different set of skills. Uh, I think, you know, students once upon a time ago had to be really great writers and great memorizers. And then they had to learn how to become really great researchers who didn't plagiarize. And I think we're at a phase now where people have to learn how to use tool sets and need to learn how to separate truth from fiction mm -hmm. and learn how to separate something that is an original thought from a thought that's been repurposed and pushed to them to use and be careful not to publish those things. But I think, I think in the work environment, like scads of data that I just haven't had available to me because it's buried on my desktop. And I literally don't mean a desktop. I mean, my laptop's desktop because I have a terrible filing system on my computer. Like I think an AI is going to help me unlock a tremendous amount of that data. And I, I find that really exciting and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. How do you and your teams decipher between hype and reality? I mean, look, there's just some really good judgment that comes into play. Like you have to have a you have to have a really good BS detector. You need that, right? Because there's a lot of business by press release 
being done. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who used to be a .com that were then a .io and are now a .ai. Mm. And I think you have to really do a little bit of research. And I, I also think at the end of the day, you've got to test. I don't think you can launch products based upon any vendor or partner's you know, sort of sales materials. I think you've got to try stuff. And I think sandboxes that you create for testing, walled gardens, that where you have a controlled set of data that you're using to vet the application, those things are, are useful. It's an expensive proposition. Even if you don't spend money on that vendor, on that partner, on that service provider, it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy. And that's one of the things we're doing right now is without having added resources to our teams, we have people who are just really interested and excited in this stuff doing it in their own time because it's a worthwhile investigation. My last question for you. Sure. Why do you love this business? I do love audio. I know that sounds silly and a little bit like Pat, but like I do. Like I'm a music junkie. I'm a little bit of a political junkie. I came out of the news industry at one point, or I was in the news industry at one point, and I'm excited by news. And reading for me because I'm, you know, in the job I'm in is difficult, it's challenging. My, mm. I'm visually occupied a lot of the time, but having audio, whether it's podcast or music as a companion, whether I'm working out or whether I'm doing my job, it's actually really easy to do. And I really love that. I'm also, I'm still a little bit starstruck by some of the like radio personalities. Like I get to meet and hang out with Ryan Seacrest on occasion and Elvis Duran and I kind of like that. I don't know, it's, it's, it's corny, but like I was an Elvis Duran fan before I worked at iHeart. And when he comes around and I see him and I get to say, oh, I work with that guy. That's one of the things I do love. I do love the personalities and I get to meet some artists and I get to go to some cool concerts and it's great. I love it. I've been doing it my whole life. My name is Michael True. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Prescient AI. My first job was not in the industry, and my first job was working for a company called ADP, and they are a web-based payroll platform, and I had to walk through the streets of Worcester, Massachusetts in a suit, knocking on auto body shops and lawyer, anything under 50 employees, selling them a web-based payroll platform. What is the biggest challenge with AI in our industry? The four T's, right? Having the right team. Is it the right timing for the type of model and problem you're looking to solve, right? Building the right tech in order to solve that problem that's associated to the team that knows how to build that tech and figuring out the traction. What is that output? What is that outcome that you're looking to measure against? And just for posterity, I'll layer on the fifth T. Once you crack those four T's, get a testimonial, right? Whether it's internal stakeholders or value that you've created for an external stakeholder. I like that, the four T's. How do you think AI will impact the future of work? It's such a tricky topic here, right? Because it's like, oh, this whole 1984, like, are we going to live in robots and Terminators and all that stuff? I think largely, like, there's going to be a lot of automation, right? I just don't ever think the human element needs will ever be removed from AI. So a couple examples, like, you know, could you use AI and automation to not have employees inside of a Taco Bell? Probably, right? You want to go do an investment with a financial advisor and you have a person sitting there looking at three screens and 
looking at the market and trying to make a bet based off of what your goals are, or if you had a machine that looked at every single trade that has ever taken places in real time with millions and billions of variables to help understand where you make that next bet, probably going to go with the machine. However, right, I still want a human mm -hmm. there to talk to about my financials. And so mm -hmm. there's just going to be an interesting intersection of manual task, but the human element in my mind will never go away. We did not pay Michael to say the human element twice for us on this pod because that is what it's called. The pod is called human element? Uh-huh. Surprise. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and my last and favorite question, why do you love this business? I love this business because there's the why, there's the how, and then there's the what, right? I'm passionate about for marketers that come to work every single day and they are making a bet based off of data and human element and intuition of where to spend these advertising dollars, right? Mm -hmm. I want to see people get promoted. I want to see people grow their careers, make better decisions. How we do it? We've built a lot of really smart algorithms that learn and what it is. It's a software application that you can, it's easy to implement, it's easy to use, and you know, you pay month by month subscription for. My name is Dmitry Pavlov, and I'm the founder and CEO of Stitch Insights. Stitch Insights is the world's most powerful consumer insights platform. We have what we call linguistic demographics that enables us to look at any competitor's customer's text and essentially measure who those customers are. And we can, on top of that, measure really nuanced trends that matter and drive behaviors like purchases or loyalty for particular customer segments, like you know, Gen Z versus millennials, and based on their linguistic age, not their biological age, which is far more predictive. One very positive outcome, I think, of AI is you're going to be able to turn more of your team into knowledge workers. It'll not only just free up their time from doing the basic analysis to actually taking action on their insights and the time to value and all of that will transform teams entirely. But I mean, it's almost impossible to predict at our stage whether you know all the jobs go away and generalized AI just does it all for us. Likely it's gonna be a sort of a hand in hand between AI and humans. Cause what we're seeing so far is that you're able to do much better prediction when you combine the minds and artificial intelligence, although I don't know where it's going next. How do you and your teams decide what's hype and what's reality? Well, I'm fortunate to have some real AI experts on my team. Mm -hmm. Dr. Hannes Eichstadt is at Stanford's Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence Lab. He's our head of R&D and head of science. Our chief technology officer, Dr. Andrew Schwartz, also is you know PhD in machine learning and psychology, separate PhD. And these guys really are at the tip of the spear. And I get to speak with them frequently on emerging technologies. Johannes at Stanford sees, you know, the tip of the spear in this space. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I also get to, you know, interact with our clients who are also, you know, the chief technology officer of a large company and the chief data officer of a large company. And we get to vet our concepts with them and they get to bounce ideas off us as well. And that communication, that interaction helps you really build a picture of what's hype and what's what has real world application that drives value. I love having a very constrained, focused experiment to test out. 
anything. You really, you know, scope it way down, prove something small and useful, and then build on top of that. That's a good point. My last and favorite question. Why do you love this business? I mean, I've always been fascinated by incentives. I have a background in marketing management, but also have a minor in economics. And that's just the study of incentives. And that just translates to just life. Why do people do anything? And we are in a really interesting position to be able to measure that. Abraham Aldonado, co-founder of Create Labs Ventures and founder of DEI GPT. Kenanei Holder, AI Integrations Manager for DEI GPT. We started by calling ourselves Create Labs because we were a group of creatives, artists that were jumping into tech. And we look at artificial intelligence as you could either create technology with AI or you can create with the technology. You can create new things with the AI. Is it artificial if it makes you feel something real? So can you make people feel something real with your creation with AI? How will AI impact the future of work? Yeah, a lot of jobs are going to be transitioned. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to have to get over their fear of having to upskill themselves. I would give advice to people and tell them that you'd have to like learn a new skill like every five years. That's down to like every year now. Mm-hmm. It's shrunk. Your job is going to change. 10, 12 years ago, there was a book called The New Division of Labor. And it was all around... How do we coexist with robots, basically? How do we coexist with automation? I was like, these are the skills you need to focus on. These are the skills that are going to go away. And I just think we didn't do enough to read. Those books are taken serious. Let me just ask another question on top of that. What do you think the role of companies are and corporations to help employees guide this new way of working or new roles? What I do sometimes when I give these talks and presentations is I explain... These are the things about your job that are going to go away. And I think companies need to be honest and very transparent with their staff and be like, look, if there is something in your role that's an if-then task, just plan for it to be automated within the next year or two, right? Mm -hmm. We need you to be more creative, critical thinkers, problem solvers, collaborators, and we're going to shift your role to a way that requires you to use those skills more. And add that more to your role, more interpersonal, you know, comp- they call it complex communication, you know, where you're talking with people face to face, you're doing more creative work and critical thinking. Those things are going to be more valued. It's not doomsday. It's just, it's a new pathway. I think what we're witnessing is a shift from left brain to right brain, soft skills, empathy, intuition, emotional intelligence is going to be huge. 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 When we think about the journey of a worker from the time they clock in to the time they clock out and the pay and the benefits and everything else that they get, what is the productivity versus what is gossip? What is the, hey, how are you? The small talk at the lunch? Okay, listen, AI can out right brain you right now. It can literally, it can type, it can do the research that you were tasked to do. It can write your lesson plan, teacher. It can write the press release, publicist. So what value do you add to this company that this AI can't do? We haven't really talked about Clara is the virtual woman that Create Labs created. She's like a global ambassador, a speaker. We travel the world. She's amazing. One of the things that we learned from Clara from one of her talks 
was, you know, she gets asked these same questions. And she said, AI is here to take away the things that humans weren't meant to do anyway. Like, you're not meant to be in front of a computer for eight hours working on a spreadsheet. We're here to take those ta- the tedious, mundane tasks away from you so that you can focus on being more human, more critical, more creative, spending more time with family, doing all the things that humans were meant to do to begin with. And everyone just like, pfft, just yeah. like lost mm-hmm. their minds. I love that. That just blew my mind. Because think about it. If you're not complaining about who didn't put in whatever in the spreadsheet, mm-hmm. look how much more time you have free because the f- spreadsheet literally doesn't exist mm-hmm. in, in that way that you've been thinking about a spreadsheet for the entire 10 years you've been doing your job. When you don't have any of that back and forth and back and forth, right, because we're so much more efficient, then the only other thing you can do is be more emotionally intelligent to navigate and be really, really creative. Because what's going to happen is every single company, the notion of innovation is not going to be a separate division. Every company is going to be innovation because we all have the same information within lightning speed. So at this point, every company will have to shift to how can we outmaneuver? How can we leverage all the information that we've had as a company up until this point and pivot in this way? And that, like, it's going to totally change the way any particular company or any particular human being views who they are, what they do, and why it should mean or matter to anybody. Well, what it sounds like, too, is it is on the company to also help guide their employees in this new way of working, but also it's on the employee. It's on Mm -hmm. the individual. How can this help me? How can this take away what I wasn't meant to do in the first place that I've now attached myself to as my own identity? But... So, you know, that's an interesting point. I think we're all part of this journey and it's on us to reflect just as much as it is on the company that you work for that needs to reflect on that as well. Right? When it's raining, you bring an umbrella. Mm-hmm. When there's AI, you... you, <laughs> you. Job interviews. Yeah. Employees mm-hmm. should be asking employers, thank you for this opportunity, for this role. Do you see AI impacting my role in the next three to five years just so I know my longevity in this position, my growth? Or what are you working on right now yeah. Um, and the expectations. Yeah. Like, what are the expectations of this role when, you know? Do you expect that I use AI in this role? Mm-hmm. When you're talking to brands today, what advice do you have for those who are trying to test or even figure out how to start testing AI in their strategies? Some brands that I speak to that are unsure about how to approach AI or, you know, doing it for the first time, you know, I'll suggest, okay, let's just start with something that's low risk. Like, let's not do something that is going to impact you too publicly or, you know, uh, that's going to draw too much attention just to try it out, maybe start as a pilot. But when you do that, the urgency is not there. The momentum to allocate resources to it, to dedicate budget to it, they're like, oh, it's just a side project. Mm -hmm. So if it falls off, they don't care, right? Mm -hmm. When you go the other approach of like, nah, let's make a big splash, then you get you make a lot of noise, you get a lot of people paying attention, you get the CMO involved, the CMO wants to be the face of it, and it's high mm. risk, but there's a bigger payoff if it works. Mm. If it doesn't work, then there's more mm-hmm. risk to the CMO who's trying to debut it at Cannes and do something and bring a lot of press to it. With good reason, there's some brands that we've been going through months and months of diligence just to make sure, like, okay, if we go the ladder, if we go big, mm. let's make sure that it works. And if you have to put us under more scrutiny and or the technology under more scrutiny to make sure it works, we understand because we know that you're going to go and make a big deal out of this. Mm. So we're fine with it, but we trust our process in building this for brands. Yeah. But yeah, it could be one way or the other. 
So my name is Asa. I'm CRO and co-founder at Bria. And my name is Omri. I'm leading the sales side for Bria. AI can give you the tools to give you more capabilities in the world. I define it like a mini-human to an extent. I mean, if we're looking at it from standard terms, I think that's the way to look at it, whether it's information, meaning text, whether it's visuals, et cetera, that's still to be determined. Spoken like true AI professional. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the biggest challenge with AI is in our industry right now? Finding the right use case. There's a lot of hype. Nobody knows what to do with it yet. We say that we do, and we have proven it a few times. But finding the right use case is one, and do it responsibly. Yeah, I agree. I think I'll, I'll dig into the responsibility side of it. It's the legal aspect of it. There's so many different companies out there trying to figure out what to do with generative AI, but the problem is the source of how they're doing it. And then companies like Dentsu, Karat, and your clients can't really use it on an enterprise level. That's the legality aspect responsibly from a diversity perspective. How are you advising brands right now to start experimenting with AI? We see Bria as a trusted advisor. The brief right now is go do something with AI. Mm -hmm. That's a difficult brief. Mm -hmm. So companies come to us and we help them in taking their steppings, the first stepping stone in the generative AI world. We can implement generative AI tools within days. Mm -hmm. So we give them a taste of what it's going to look like and then slowly we help them monetize it. And my last question for you, why do you love this business? It's the top of the spear as far as technology. You're first. When ChatGPT came out and everybody knew about it, we already knew. And we already had ChatGPT. And now when people talk about visual AI, we've been doing it for three years. So it's pretty cool to be first. It's also challenging because people think you're crazy most of the time. <laughs> there, there. We, we used to explain, we used to have a slide on what mm -hmm. is the difference between AI and generative AI. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, since, what, November, we deleted that slide. We don't need it anymore. Everybody People knows understand. what it is <laughs> in a high level, of course. Yes, right. But think I think this, if I would have come to you a year ago and tell you, you write posts and emails very slowly, very slowly, say, so what takes me a few seconds? Too slow. Now you understand. <laughs> Same thing with visual. You create content so slowly. People understand that. Yeah. Do New Yorkers understand though? Yes. I was still waiting for ChatGPT. It was waiting. It was taking too long. I think I got the slow <laughs> version. I was like, you better answer faster. <laughs> Why do you love this business? It changes. I like the change, to be honest. Every week, even I can, I can look at you from when, uh, since October, since November, like you were saying before. It's a complete night and day. And I can only imagine what it's going to be in a month. I think that's the exciting part about it. I'm Camilo Fosco, CTO at Memorable. Dylan Beaumont, Head of Sales at Memorable. My first job in the industry, I was a very junior salesperson at a mobile company called Cargo, working very closely with the agency that we're in right now, Kara. So it's been really fun to grow up over the course of the last, gosh, should I age myself, 11, 12 years with you know this agency and a lot of the great folks within it. And for me, the first job in advertising specifically is this one, this company that we're building, very focused on making creative as effective as possible. But before that, in the field of machine learning and AI, my first job was actually 
at Tenaris Research Lab. Tenaris is a big company in Argentina that has a very cool research lab that was doing computer vision before it was cool, actually. It was called statistical analysis at that point, but what we were doing was pretty much analyzing, you know, tons and tons of images of defects in different metallic surfaces and trying to classify them, which is pretty much computer vision. So for me, AI is essentially the set of tools, techniques, etc., that allow you to reproduce certain tasks and complete certain tasks that tend to be associated with human intelligence. I think there are many different definitions, but it's mostly essentially the machinery, the artificial constructions that allow us to solve these high-level intelligence tasks in ways that, yeah, that look very human. How do I follow one of the preeminent minds in the space and defining <laughs> that space? I mean, come on, I'm the sales guy. Um, as far as I've come to understand it, an all-encompassing kind of term that includes a lot of different techniques that, yeah, mimic human processes like learning. One of the things I'm most excited about is saving time and money in places where it's wasted today. So if you think about how many people are spending lots of their you know, precious lifetime doing monotonous tasks that are easily repeatable and easily kind of like done using some of these techniques or a lot of the money that's spent on kind of archaic technologies that can be improved and optimizing using some of these techniques, I think that's a really interesting unlock. I'm excited about a bunch of different things, right? So this, I think it's going to be magical in the years to come. But there's one thing that excites me a lot and, and that's very connected to, to our industry and to Memorable as well. It's the fact that there's going to be more and more of a need for accurate understanding of what works and what doesn't work. And there's going to be a very exciting space of trying to predict those things and predict them accurately. Right now we're in the moment where there's going to be an absolute flood of content that will be generated or pretty much anyone, be it text or images or video. And it's going to become harder and harder to essentially choose to know what will work for what objective. I think there's a really exciting space in building strategies, algorithms, and models that can predict what will work before you need to test it so that you can actually make it scalable because testing is not going to be possible with the massive, massive influx of things. You won't be able to test everything, so just make a bunch of predictions and rank. Memorable builds models that helps brands predict performance before campaigns go live and gives tailored recommendations on creative elements to change to improve performance. So before you set a campaign live, before you spend any money on media or on studies or on analytics, you have a really high accuracy understanding of how a specific piece of ad creative, whether it be a reel on Instagram, a video on YouTube, you know, whatever it may be, how that will perform before it goes live. And then recommendations on what to change to make that performance uh, improve. It's like a creative co-pilot for brands. There are creative elements that we're coming to understand are very highly correlated with brand. Brand is like, you kind of, it's very hard to, to track and optimize around. I think we're giving marketers new tools to predict and optimize for brand. I would say we're an early stage company. We're a relatively small team. I think we're hyper testers, hyper experimenters. It's like, let's test, learn, optimize, and just try to move quickly. It's like in the kind of fundamental ethos of the company. There's a big direction in the company to try to extract as much value as possible from what we build. And that naturally forces us into a place where we need to discard what's not real. As we test and as we try new models and as we see how they actually perform, how they actually bring value to the marketers, we can quickly see like, this doesn't work, this is not real, this is just hype. 
and this set of models or predictions or systems are actually bringing value. And what advice do you have for brands that are just beginning to figure out how to utilize AI in their strategies? I would say lean on experts in the space. I think folks that know what they're talking about are making themselves available to help marketers build a philosophy. You know, a lot of those resources are available and at their disposal. So lean into folks that, you know, existing firms and people that are preeminent experts. AI, as we've learned today, isn't new. It's, you know, it's, you know, the term was kind of coined back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. So a lot of people do have a lot of experience in AI, counter to, I think, popular belief. So seek those people out and use them as resources. Yeah, for me, I would say lean more on the data. I think that there's been a big direction to look a lot at the data, specifically in the areas of targeting. But right now we're getting to the point where it's becoming more and more possible and extremely valuable to look at the data specifically on the creative. Lots of people have been kind of utilizing intuition and guesswork to make some creative decisions, and that's been kind of a big trend in the space. And now we're really at the point where you can use tool that tells you in a, in a ver with very high accuracy that a certain piece of creative will perform better unequivocally compared to this other one for a specific objective. So it becomes essentially more and more suboptimal to not look at the data and not leverage those tools to perform, to do your job and to place those campaigns and to make that creative. So that's, that's kind of my, my advice. Use the tools. That's great advice. Last and my favorite question, why do you love this business? I would say, similar to what you alluded to earlier, it moves really quickly. I mean, I've been covering this agency for a long time, and the projects that we've worked on together have ranged so much from the adoption of mobile to attention to now talking about artificial intelligence and everything peppered in between. So no two days are alike, no two trends are alike, and it's just a, these cycles of constant learning together and collaboration and partnership, which is easy to do with a great group of people at Kara. I love kind of the opportunity that the new technologies that are bringing up are, are presenting into this field. I feel like there's definitely an opportunity to introduce some new tools and some new ways to do things that will fundamentally change the way that work is done here. And that in itself is exciting. My name is Albert Nieto, and I'm the co-founder and co-CEO of Citec. So Citec is the global leader in contextual advertising. Basically, we partner with publishers, brands, and agencies across the world, and we offer the opportunity to target ads without using any sort of user data. So I guess that's why I got invited to this panel, because we took a very extreme approach around privacy, and we don't incorporate any kind of user data to our AI models. What was your first job in the industry? I was industry analyst at Google. Okay, that's an interesting one. I haven't gotten that at all. <laughs> and then a broad question for you to start. How would you define AI? I would define it as a tool that has the power to accelerate innovation in our industry and also the power to kill some of the key values that we built all together as an industry. Properly used, it can bring advances in three different areas that we haven't seen before at that speed. And these areas are ad targeting, creative engagement, and placement optimization, which are always very critical when if you are buying media or doing online advertising in general. I think it will massively impact the future of work. I'm on the optimistic side. I think it will bring a lot of productivity increases that will 
free some time for all of us to do other stuff besides just working. I think it will also generate a lot of new works that we are incapable of imagining today. We are firm believers that innovation comes from day-to-day contact with clients. So we don't have any kind of R&D department or you know some very smart people in the company that are the owners of innovation. We believe that innovation comes from day-to-day interaction with agencies, clients, and publishers, mm. that they have unsolved issues. And there is where people with entrepreneurial mindset can came in and try to find useful solutions that are not there yet. We've seen new technologies generate a lot of hype over the past few years. What about AI is different? So I think the important point about AI is which are the use cases where AI is a very powerful tool. And in which cases it's just doing the same things that we were achieving before AI, but using a, a different technology. For the latter, I think we shouldn't use AI. For the former, I think it can be a huge accelerator for success applied to advertising. The most exciting part is how it can improve fundamental use cases. For example, ad targeting, I think it can be vastly improved through AI. Placement optimization is another area that AI can play a big role of improving where ads should be delivered. And creative engagement, I think, is the last part where I think AI can, and in particular generative AI, can play a a big role. The biggest challenge, in my opinion, is transparency, in particular with large language models using generative AI. It's almost impossible with today's technology not to end up in a black box where you are incapable of answering simple questions like why you decided to target content A versus content B. The only honest answer to that question is because the engine decided it was the best way to optimize for a certain KPI. And I think losing transparency is something bad for the industry. And my last question for you, why do you love this business? I built my whole career around that. So it's been the journey of my life building that company. And I think it has a wonderful thing that we should keep, which is the opportunity for a lot of incumbents to become really big companies. So CTEC didn't exist nine years ago. Today, we have more than 500 people working in 15 different markets, and we are partnering with the largest advertisers and publishers around the world. I think that's not possible to do in other industries, or at least it's way more difficult. So the low entry barriers in our industry, I think it's something that we should preserve because it's great for innovation. Michael Franchello, Director of Innovation, Shutterstock. Let me start with my favorite question. What is your first job in the industry? Ooh, I sold magazine ads for a print magazine called Seed, which was kind of a Another version of Wired, at least that's what we were trying to do, but instead of a focus on technology, it was more about the natural sciences. Amazing. That's awesome. (laughs) And then broad question to start off, how would you define AI? Generative AI, which is what I kind of specialize in as a branch of machine learning that's focused on creating new content. AI in general is a way of taking vast sums and swaths of data to either inform a system use data to analyze it or to create entirely new content, which is what generative is. The most impact it can have is eliminating 
inefficiencies in our lives. So, you know, making up for menial tasks, kind of like letting machines machine and letting humans human. How do you have more of the human element in what you do every day? It's oddly enough, it's going to give some of that back to us. I love that. And the plug to our podcast name. So thank you for that. No problem. So our industry is moving at an insane pace. Mm. How do you and your teams decipher what is hype and what is real? I think it's a lot of it comes down to what our clients are telling us they need. You know, we're a content provider. And if they say we want 3D models, we consider that we go out and we acquire a company like TurboSquid. Or they've said, hey, we need to create 10,000 pieces of content yesterday. And all you guys have are stock photos. Can you go out and create a something custom? So we launch a studios division. Can you give us capabilities to create at the speed of our imagination? So we launch generative AI. So I think it's about like listening to what people want and then figuring out how you do that with, with the tools you have available in your own kit. What is the most important thing you think people need to know about AI? It's a technology that uses a lot of data to generate new content in, in many cases. The most important thing to know is that human beings have created this content. And how do you feel about them being credited and or compensated and or even asked about it or not asked or not compensated? So I think that's the most important thing to consider is the human element. Everyone's interested in this stuff. I don't, you know, coming from a creative company, you don't have a lot of opportunities to speak with media agencies. It's usually creative shops. And I'm always amazed at kind of the variety of use cases that AI can have. It's not just what we work on. And, you know, everyone's kind of focused on their own silo. But seeing things like, oh, how do we use AI to mitigate bias? How do we use it to, uh, you know, choose better creative that we show to people or produce better content, et cetera, et cetera. It's really, it's it's just fun to see so many people so energized about the same thing. What advice do you have for brands who are trying to even figure out how to start utilizing AI? Ask a lot of questions, be skeptical, make the magician tell you how they do the magic trick. Also consider that generative AI is not going to be a catch-all for everything you're trying to do, especially creatively. What are you trying to do? You were trying to sell more shampoo, you're trying to get people into a car dealership, you're trying to sell more beer. Can you do that without shifting how you, you create in general? Can you do that with the old tools? Experiment with the new tools, see what's work, what works best, but always consider that What is new and what's exciting may not be the right thing for you, your brand, your company, whatever you're trying to accomplish. I love that. And my last and favorite question, why do you love this business? Hmm, It's always changing. It's exciting. I've had the privilege of working for magazines, for research companies. You get to meet a lot of interesting people, and I find that whether you're involved in like media, whether you're involved in creative Everyone has one thing in common, and that's everyone loves some form of art. It can be music, it can be movies, it can be drawing yourself, it can be comics, it can be literature. And I think like that's one thing that always brings people together. So back to how we do things, how we do it at Shutterstock, we always consider that. And one thing I love about my job now is... I wanted to be a music industry major when I graduated high school in 2001 Mm -hmm. with Napster. That was kind of weird. I feel like we have an opportunity to stand up for creators now the way that record labels should have been standing up for them 20 years ago instead of making them fight publicly. And that's a wrap on our Kara Innovation Summit on the future with AI. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Human Element. You can find us anywhere you can find your pods. Give us a like, subscribe, or send us a note. We'll be back out to you real soon.